Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're just going to make sure that uh, we get it out that we are live. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and comment on the post I made about being delayed. And thank you to all of you who have already hopped on. We're going to get going momentarily just because we're a little later than we wanted. We're going to give people time to settle in and whatnot. Um so we're going to make a couple of posts on Twitter about it, and we'll get one. Um, okay, sweet. So this is actually my first time hosting a Twitch. So this was uh, as much of a learning experience as anything for me, Nathan. I am a Gen Zer, but uh, I am also not privy to Twitch all the time, uh, Nathan, which might come as a surprise to you. But uh, hey, That's all right. It's the first time we're learning. We we are learning, and just like we're learning about how uh, the New York Yankees uh, stink at this trading thing, Nathan. I, I knew that would be the topic tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you did. Uh, yeah. We can talk about a couple of other uh, teams as well, which we will. Uh, mm-hmm. This podcast will and and stream will obviously be a little bit more geared towards the prospect side of things because uh, right. that is part of our job, Nathan. Mm-hmm. About prospects, not necessarily about the baseball. Uh, the 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 MLB side of it, but I'm sure we'll 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 intermingle the two uh, throughout. Right. But and there were some there were some interesting prospects, Dell. Uh, you could say that, yes. And it, mm-hmm. and what's interesting to me is that I would have thought that maybe some of the top tier prospects remaining in the game would have been available in this deadline. But as we saw, even though this batch of prospects is weaker than what it has been ultimately teams were still hesitant to trade away their upper top top tier prospects right Right. which i'm not sure i really uh, saw coming no i I thought we'd see a few move but other than houston we didn't see too many move top prospects no no and 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 i think that's probably the most shocking one of all so Right. right um i mean we could we could talk about the Verlander trade right now, and then if people have questions about it, and if you do have questions, by the way, please put them in the chat. We'll we'll try to get to them. But let's start with some of the bigger moves, Nathan. Yeah. Uh, you are a superhero. First off, I have to say you're a superhero, Nathan, because you were like, "Well, do we have a show sheet for the kinds of trades that we're going to go over tonight?" I said, "No, I, I I'm working. I don't have time for this." And then probably two hours later, I get this message from Nathan. Oh, don't worry, I have a doc already in the works. This is why we love you, Nathan, because well, you. you are you are truly what keeps this engine going, and I'm nearly uh-huh. here to not screw it up, basically. I, I'm just putting the dock together so I don't lose my place. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's start with that Verlander trade. Um, yeah, let's do it. And it should be prefaced that not only is Verlander going to the Mets, but the Mets are also sending a significant sum of money 
to cover what I assume will be a, a, an option that the Astros are hoping is is vested. And if it is vested at that point, I have to imagine that he's had a good year and they're going to give him every opportunity to, to go out there and, and, and earn it. But in return for Verlander and a significant chunk of change going to Houston, the Astros are sending away Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford, who are two of their very best prospects, Gilbert being the number one guy. Right, and I think you could make a case for Clifford being number two. I think you absolutely could because mm-hmm. the only side effect to Clifford is that we don't really know what position he's going to play. Yeah. But to be honest with you, it, the Met, the Mets need more of these kinds of guys that are bats, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, because – I think if you're comparing Ryan Clifford to Mark Vientos, I don't think it's particularly close. I'm no. taking Clifford by a country mile yeah. because neither of them can really play a position, and I think Clifford can actually do a good job against both righties and lefties. Mm-hmm. So, right. But, I mean, really, let, let's talk about Drew Gilbert because he's obviously the, the key piece to this deal, right? Right. Um, right. We love Drew Gilbert coming out of the draft because of some batted ball data that – was easily accessible that we got from the, the collegiate ranks. And our friend Jarrett is on. Hello, Jarrett. Hello, hello. You are just, just in time. time. Just Mets in time talk. to talk about our, our Mets discourse, which I'm sure will be a, a focal point of this uh, stream, Jarrett. Yeah, yeah. I already did a 40-minute podcast with Jeffrey uh, about an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, for all you kids out there. But um, yeah. We were just talking about how the Mets sent Verlander and a lot of money to get both Ryan Clifford, who I don't think should be forgotten about in this trade, but also yeah. Drew Gilbert. Um, yeah. You know, Gilbert was one of those guys that really came in and had loud batted ball data, made sufficient yeah. contact, and had a chance to stick in center. And now that we're a year plus since he's been drafted – that profile really hasn't changed. In fact, I think you can make a case that he's probably higher up, even though he's struggled in double A so far. Yeah, but he's also less than a year out from being drafted, and he's already in double A, which yeah, is fair point. You know, itself a positive indicator. You look at you know you look at in the Mets system, Kevin Parada is still in high A, right? And he's <laughs> his um, his triple slash in high A looks like Gilbert's in double A. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, Gilbert has not actualized the hard hit into over the fence or really given that much doubles power yet, but you can kind of forecast, wish cast, whatever, that that's going to get there a little bit. You know, his his hot start to the year in high A was inflated. His double A numbers are probably deflated a little bit by an injury. Right. But, yeah, it's, you know, he's... You know, we had a number, I think, 36 on the midseason 50, somewhere around there. Um, I personally actually thought he should be a little bit higher. Jeffrey thought he should be a little lower. We kind of middled it um, because of he's one of the few prospects that you're going to hear even from, like, more modern analysts, a lot of discussion about makeup just because he's, like, such a weird uh, – fit is even the right – but uh, he's got – different um i i compared it to jeff mcneil but with like the intensity turned up to a 17 instead of a 12 yeah um yeah. you know he's a very intense uh fiery on-field player and there are scouts and analysts that absolutely hate that and there's scouts and analysts that absolutely love that so that goes right. that that goes both ways um 
but yeah, I mean, he's a really good prospect. Ryan Clifford hadn't got midseason 50s support. Um, the live looks on him are a little less strong than the analysis looks. Um, I know Baseball America and their trade thing, um, you know, talked about how he's one of only a small handful of players with above average plus at basically everything. He's got plus swing decisions. He's got plus uh, contact. Uh, both in zone and out of the zone, and he has plus 90th percentile exit velocity. So right. the the power is not like totally there yet, but you're reasonably projecting it both on the standard projectability measures, but also on the high end exit velocities for him to get there at some point. He's okay. never in his life going to play center field. <laughs> it's going to be a it's going to be a tough one for him to play corner outfit. Is Ben coming on at some point? I know Ben's. Ben's coming he, on at some point. Yeah, yes. Ben's, Ben's seen Clifford a bond, so I won't yeah. steal Ben's thunder on Clifford. But, you know, it's like it's both of these guys have, like, the analytic makings of strong offensive profile. Look at the Mets trades from top to bottom. It's basically it's like somebody taught them not only how to use a track man unit, but to actually analyze the data correctly. Which is like the big thing that crap you know, um, been doing. In the yeah, past, so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. A little, um, less, a little I, less true for Luis and Halacuna, but yeah. his track is fine too. You know, I, 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 as to steal a quote from from the young kids on on days, they I think they let the smarter guys cook. Yeah, yeah. That was um, somebody mentioned that to me who used to work in the industry and doesn't anymore. Right. Um, so Jared, I was. Uh, some people I talked to said that Clifford was probably a first baseman pretty yeah. soon. Would, would yeah. you agree? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, yeah. Ben's probably better suited to answer that. He's yeah. watched the guy play a significant amount of defense live. But yeah, but I mean, that's if a, he is, doesn't really matter, does it? Right. Yeah. When we were kind of canvassing about for the midseason list, he was a he was a fairly serious candidate. He got down to I think the second to last cut, which probably puts him in like the seventies or the eighties, mm. give or take. Um, one of the concerns was yeah, lack of um, defensive flex, but you know that because the first base now all of a sudden you're putting just tremendous amounts of pressure on the bat if he doesn't. Right. You know, you see that with Kyle Manzardo who got traded this yeah. week too. Um, probably lighter than his prospect rankings indicated, although there's people that think Aaron Savali is like a hidden ace now. And <laughs> God knows he just got traded from Cleveland to Tampa, so maybe he is. Yeah. But because um, those are, you know, two really good pitching orgs. But, um, yeah, I mean, if, if you're talking first base only fit, well, now you've got Pete Alonso in the org, although God knows for how long at this point, um, given all the other stuff that's happened. But... Yeah, you know, you would hope that he can stick in right or left. I want to ask um, you this question, and this is going to be very provocative, uh, especially to Mets listeners. Are you taking, in a vacuum, Ryan Clifford or Mark Vientos? Oh, Ryan Clifford is. Yeah, I know. (laughs) That's, well, you you would be surprised that this is actually a, a debate amongst people, and I think it's just because maybe people don't know about Ryan Clifford to the extent that they know about Mark Vientos, but you know, Ryan Clifford does not have the splits concerns anywhere near to the extent that Vientos does. He makes far more contact and you could actually make a case has higher max exit velocities that will translate to more power in the big. Yeah. So I don't think it's close. Uh, yeah. Vientos is quite a bit younger, I believe. Right. Yeah. 
Vientos has both contact concerns and ground ball concerns. So you're looking at, you know, that is kind of a, kind of like an amplified version of some of the problems that Brett Beatty has had uh, this season. Um, Right. Just, just a, a, basically a worse version of, of Brett Beatty is what Mark Vantos has been. And I think will ultimately be a worse version of Ryan Clifford when all said and done. But, you know, Drew Gilbert, I do think was the only prospect that I think could justify trading away Verlander to the Astros and the other point that I want to bring up, and I know this is not prospect-centric, but yeah. you know, Steve Cohen did make this quote in his press conference last month that you know the money's already been paid for these guys. And so yeah. if it takes money to basically buy Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford, if, if you're thinking about like long-term extensions, $50 million between Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford seems about right. Right, yeah, like – and. So my the way I've been looking at it is the 2023 money is already paid out. Yeah. You're, you might get a little bit of savings, but in, in general, a lot of current year money gets picked up at the deadline, whatever. So for 2024 for Scherzer and for 2024 and 2025 for Verlander, if you kind of look at it, they paid down their contracts to the reasonable expectations of what it might cost to replace those players in free agency. Um, so they're going to get... For 2024, they're going to get around 35 or 40 million dollars, and for 35 or 40 million dollars, you should be able to get two pitchers that project to something like a 3.8 aggregate ERA, right? right? Which is probably, if you're projecting Scherzer and Verlander's performance for 2024, you know, that's probably fun. in line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's actually probably better, but I'm trying to like do like a reasonably <laughs> optimistic one because you know. Look, Scherzer has got a lot of markers that he's in, like, serious near-term decline. Yes. There's just, like, no way to get around that one. Um, Vert is clearly declining some, but a lot more of it's held up. He, you know, Scherzer, if you avow 2023 Scherzer with no priors, you're going to come away thinking he's, like, a low-end third or fourth starter. Right. Verlander with no priors, you're gonna think he's like a really good number two. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, I've seen almost every pitch the two of those guys have thrown. I did a bunch of data work. I've probably done more Max Scherzer data work in the last year and a half than like anybody on the planet, not with the Scherzer last name, because uh, he does a lot of his own data work. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe the Mets too, maybe. Um, <laughs> but. Um, Oh yeah, boy. You look at it and it's like these guys, you know, Scherzer's about to turn 39, I think. Verlander's 40. Generally, pitchers, when they start on the decline at that point, you're not turning it around. Right, you know? right. Like it. But when you're starting to see it, like Scherzer's getting less whiff and chase on pretty much everything. Verlander's losing some of his in zone whiff, especially on the fastball. These are pretty common decline traits. Right. Uh, at that point, you're almost hoping that they're being hobbled by injury. But then, you know, you've also got you've got pitchers that are really old and have both have chronic, pretty chronic injury histories at this point, too. It's just not super awesome. Right. Um, well, the other thing, too, about Verlander, as opposed to Scherzer, is that the contact suppression has still been there for the most yeah, part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas Scherzer, you know, those fly balls in the outfield yeah, are now home runs. And yeah. 
So Scherzer's command is starting to go. That's the, and yeah. because the walk rate hasn't spiked, you haven't really noticed it. Yeah. But it, that's he's not getting as much chase as he used to, and he's hanging. Changeup like he has in the past. Yeah. Um, you, you look at his change. You look at his slider heat map, and there's just like. There's like a red blob for cement mixer in the middle, which there's never been for him in the past. Like he's just not able to spot that pitch as a consistent chase pitch outside the zone anymore. And look, you know, that's 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 the I use this quote all the time. It's the Rocky Balboa quote from Creed One. You know, time's undefeated. Time beats everybody. Yep. You, yes, it you does. never. Yeah, I mean, there are you know, Sandy Koufax retired at his peak, but for the most part, you know, there's. This decline phase happens, and look, the Mets were stuck in a spot where they had almost every roster spot committed in 2024 to a 2023 team that was tracking for 72, 75, 76 wins, was already old, and everybody was getting a year older, and had very few upside or bounce back candidates. Right. So at least. They, you know, I, there's people that are really angry that they, like, gave up on 2024 by trading Verlander. What would you set the Verlander over-under for 2024 war or war bat? Two wins? Two and a half wins? Yeah. Because it's yeah. the Astros, I'll give it two and a half on the higher right. end there. Right. Uh, yeah. But, like, yeah. It's not, you can replace that on the market. Absolutely. If two and a half wins is turning you from a contender to a not contender, your team is so seriously flawed that it doesn't matter anyway. Um, so yeah, I, my, my feeling is on aggregate, they probably need to replace about three and a half wins with about $35 million, which is basically the price you should be able to replace three and a half wins for. And in, in paying these guys down to their actual 2024 market value, they've collected three top hundred prospects here. Yeah. Um, I feel pretty confident that I feel pretty confident that all three of the prospects in the straight and Marco Vargas are making the one oh one unless something weird happens between now these were all guys these were two guys that we ranked in the top 60 plus two guys that we fairly can fairly strongly considered and usually pretty much all of those guys make it unless there's just a skill collapse or hard one yeah so, and, and so newsflash there won't be with marco vargas no. but uh, we'll a, get to that in a little bit i'm wondering your opinion uh who do you like better between vargas and akuna that's a that's a tough one. Um, we ranked Acuna on the list and not yeah. Vargas. Um, if you ask Jeffrey, Jeffrey would prefer Vargas. I know that for a fact. We've talked about that in the last couple of days. I'm guessing uh, Smith would too, right? Yes. It's yeah. not even a question for me. I don't know. I mean, Acuna's – there's high, higher level performance. There's more physicality there. I know these are things I'm not actually supposed to care about in 2023, but I do still <laughs> a little bit. Like, yeah. yeah. Vargas is a really good prospect, though. Like, people, you know, I think people didn't get... Look, he's a guy in the DSL. He signed for a low five-figure bonus, like, three weeks before the DSL season started. So I I understand people missed him popping up last year as a DSL pop-up guy. It happens. It's tough to follow. But, you know, he's been pretty consistently out of the complex is one of the top three or four names we've been hearing about since March or April. So it's not like he just, like, popped up on the scene and put up, like, a nice month of TrackMan data in the FCL. This is a guy who had some of the better TrackMan data in the DSL last year, has scouts who really like him, too. Um, 
and then just like has been absolutely destroying the FCL TrackMan this year. It's like completely absurd. Yeah, um, it is. He, he basically has Jackson Holiday's TrackMan data with a couple of miles of exit velocity knocked off, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, somebody mentioned to me in the hail of stuff that happened today. Um, he is now, as of like yesterday, represented by Scott Boris. Um, <laughs> okay. And this, this is an aspect of minor league evaluation we don't talk about as much because it's kind of weird to talk about. Right. But the top agencies, and Boris Corps is the absolute top one at this, have team-level scouting departments now that seek yes. out players who signed for relatively small bonuses and are represented by smaller agencies or don't have an American agency and seek them out in the low minors for agency representation and Boris is not signing a prospect who sucks. Like, right. Just, yeah. The same yeah. thing just happened with Daniel Palencia a couple days ago. Yeah. 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 So yeah. 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 That's a lot of the better, more intelligent agencies have gotten very aggressive about prospect evaluation so that they can go sign these guys. Um, so that's another, again, Absolutely. in case you think that baseball prospectus uh, fan graphs, MLB pipeline, baseball America, and the New York Mets are all bad at prospect evaluation. Scott Boris probably is. Right. <laughs> right. <So>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. And, you know, I think we've touched on pretty much all the, the Mets trades at this point, but I think yeah. we can say that they did exceptionally well in pretty much. I mean, mm -hmm. is there one trade they made that kind of you scoffed at and, and said that I wish this return was better? I, I can't come across one probably the tommy fam trade yeah. I, but even that i get what they're doing I, i've heard Look, the jeremy rodriguez discourse it's um, been a it's been a very busy trade deadline i have not had a chance to run down jeremy rodriguez's dsl track man that is something i will do pretty soon but i haven't okay. had a chance to run it down yet um, I, I believe it was pretty good uh, when I'm, I checked last time. but I'm, I'm guessing it's very good. Yes. I know what the stat line in the DSL looks like of a guy who has a really good track man. Yes. You can tell the Mets have become track man nerds because of what they – like, look, they trade – they're basically – this was true in both their draft pitcher evaluation but also the guy they got from the Brewers. They're very clearly, like, really into IVB right now, which <laughs> is good. They should be. Yeah. Um, they – might need to understand some other stuff about how IBB interacts with other parts of fastball shit. But, um, <laughs> yeah, they, they keep trading. For, so, yeah, I'm guessing that Jeremy Rodriguez, and, yeah, it was a seven-figure IFA from a team that's generally pretty good at signing these guys. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not like an idiot team right. um, in terms of international scout. Um, but you would have hoped to get that kind of profile, but not in the DSL for a guy who you can argue is the best position player traded. I don't know if I'd actually make that argument, but it's there were not very many good position players traded. No, no, there weren't. I mean, at, at this point, I don't know if... I mean, he is a rental, but I, I feel like yeah. it was really the pitching market that was overheated as opposed to the position player side yeah, of the equation. We don't one really another. know because he was, you know... Yeah, we don't really know. Right. Um, cause this this, this really just could be like the conviction play for the Mets. Like, we yeah. are very high on Jeremy Rodriguez. And if that's the case, whether or not we think you're right or wrong, if, if you yeah. think that that's the best guy, then, then so be it. This is a type of trade that's generally worked out pretty well for teams. Um, 
in instances where you trade for the DSL guy that you couldn't sign or that you really like based on what they did after signing. Look, a lot of these guys were great in turn. You know, he was a seven-figure um, IFA signing. He probably agreed to terms when he was 13 or 14. So it's three <laughs> years between yeah. now and then, between when they had to make the last decision on his eval versus now. So he may be a guy that they liked they like a lot more than they did at the time that they had to decide whether to assign him or not. Right. Right. So, you know, I, I think we can sum up the Mets trades with just this simple and astonishing point that I never ever actually say, but I think in a way, the deadline, at least the sellers, they absolutely did. Can you yeah. make an argument for anybody else? I genuinely don't know. Yeah. Um, it- Maybe the Cardinals, but I mean, I don't know. They so, so I, they had I a bit like, of a. I like ahead. some of the Cardinals' return, but yeah, I mean, they traded pitchers that on paper were almost as good as the ones that the Mets traded, albeit without the name and Cy Young resume. Right. And I really like Tacoma Roby. Tacoma yeah. Roby would have been the fifth best prospect the Mets just traded for. Yeah, um, I like Thomas Sajidis. He would have been the fifth or sixth best prospect the Mets just traded for. Um, again, they didn't have the team control over those players. And the Mets the Mets specifically did a really good job finding their marks um, in the wrestling term sort yeah. of marks. Um, they traded Robertson to an old school team who very clearly was going to value a proven name closer. Yeah. They traded... Um, they traded... Scherzer to a team that really loves like the big splashy name, you know, the Rangers just absolutely love those big names and really invest heavy in pitching. They just signed the Grom away from him and they traded Verlander to the, to the place he's beloved where the owner was going to step in and say, trade all the freaking prospects for this guy. <laughs> so um, that that's, whereas the Cardinals just kind of did like normal business trades and I think right. they fine, but yeah. they didn't, yeah. they didn't get the type of, killer returns you would no um, i think the mets did the did the best job but i think on par cardinals were probably second yeah i would they, I those would are, those were also the teams that had the best stuff to sell so yeah, that's yeah. true that's, that's true. true um but you know I, I i think if nothing else they did not screw this up yeah which yeah. in and of itself yeah. is an accomplishment for the new york mets uh jared <laughs> that was uh that was uh getting some uh Billy Upper's getting some strays here. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the prospect evaluation has not always been very good. And they've had, again, not this administration. This is the first deadline that they've sold at since 2017. But that 2017 yeah. It was even deadline, 2018, I think, they did. Too. Yeah, they might have sold a little at the 18 deadline. Yeah. But yeah. that... that 2017 deadline was it? That was the deadline they traded for like awful. ten relievers, yeah. and all they have is like Drew Gerson Smith. Bautista, oh. Jacob Bohemi, yeah. yeah, yeah, Jamie Callahan, yeah, yeah. all the 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 list of guys. <laughs> hey, and Gerson, wow. Gerson and Bautista got them to save Jeff McNeil. Yes, and the, yes. And the Robinson Cano, uh, Jared Kelnick, yes. Edward Diaz deal because yeah. that definitely happened. Yes, but um, yeah. Um. <laughs> But yeah, yeah the, I mean, the, the Cardinals did good. Let's, let's go through the Cardinals. Yeah, let, let's let's do it. I mean, we were gonna we were gonna go through some of these trades in tiers, but I think if if we're being honest, like we'll talk about the teams first that I think really stand out, and then we'll kind of break down it by tiers yeah. after that. But 
Yeah, I mean, are, are you telling me that I've already caused a podcast uh, to go wildly <laughs> well, off course? We're, we're way we're way past that. Uh, yeah, we're we're past yeah. reconciliation in that regard. But um, <laughs> we can talk. Let's let's first talk about the Jordan Hicks trade, um, where he goes to Toronto. Sam Roberts and Adam Klofenstein, who honestly I forgot was even in the minor league still at this point. Um, they were the two guys that the Cardinals got for Jordan Hicks. Um, you know, Sam Roberts is not one guy that's going to blow you away with stuff per se, but is so the exact kind of, kind of pitcher that the Cardinals would trade for. Yes, yeah. exactly. At least from a starting. It's interesting because I think when you talk about the Cardinals starters, what they prioritize is so different from what they prioritize in the bullpen in ways that I think is very unique to the Cardinals. An interesting thing was Moziliak said that they were trying to prioritize the stuff in the whiffs now <laughs> in the press conference announcing that they traded for several Burst and Adam Poffenstein. I, I know they're trying to, and they did with Roby, and it's tough. Look, I mean, Hicks, you know, the, the easy comparison here is to the David Robertson deal because you would – you know, they're probably roughly equivalent relief pitchers, but the difference is David Robertson has a 15-year history of injuries accepted, being David Robertson, and Jordan Hicks has a three-month history of being good and throwing strikes and being and healthy being at the healthy, same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's, on the margins, that's going to matter to Kim Ng and Bruce Sherman a lot more than it does most teams, but you only need one team to do a wild overpay. And, you know, to Toronto, like the pitching prospect scene there is imploded. Traded for us. So Tiedemann's been hurt all year. Mako's been a disaster. Yeah, Mako's been a disaster. Yasmar Zulawet has been a disaster. So it's like, yeah. who are, you know, if he's your best, if your best landing is Toronto, yeah, reverse is fine. Like the picture that the message for in the Brewers deal. Yeah. Um, Steen's really found back heavy this year. He was a guy who I thought was uh, pre pandemic. Um, he's written, you know, the stop back performance is back. So he's, a, he's another guy where he's not presently on a prospect, but if we re the Toronto's on July 20th, he might have been a top 10 guy. Couple, this is like your commander second tier career for a rental for a couple interesting pitch prospects. You know, I mean, it's because the Mets are Dave Robertson. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't particularly understand that. And if you had told me that the Cardinals would get less for a reliever than the Mets would uh, before, uh, let's call it a week ago, I, I probably would have laughed at you, but. It just yeah. goes to show you that um, baseball truly is unpredictable, both on and off the field. But, um, you know, I think the more interesting trade to talk about for the Cardinals, um, you know, interestingly enough, is actually the Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton trade for that exact reason you brought up of uh, Tacoba Roby, right? And yeah. some of the other guys that they got in that trade as well who are quite interesting, uh, aside from John King, the reliever. But uh, this is the kind of upside play that is high risk, high reward that, frankly, I think teams are better off gambling on as opposed to just getting a guy that is in the high minors can contribute next year, but you have an idea that ceiling is not going to be anywhere near what Tako Robies could theoretically be. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Roby has some, he's not as good of a prospect, but he has some similarities to Tim Kent, who's already in their system. Mm-hmm. I think they were drafted in the same year, if not their year apart, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's the overwhelming stuff, but not really much of a history of health. Um, and Roby, that's more extreme on. He's actually out with a shoulder injury right now. Right. Um, and he's really just has not pitched that much as a pro. But, like, when he has, it's like, you know, this is the type of stuff. And, again, it took a little bit of a step forward this year in Frisco. But, um, like, when he has pitched regularly, like, this is, like, top 101 stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, you're, again. The, the Cardinals system's really lacking plays with that type of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's basically Justin Kent. It's, yeah, right? Justin Kent. You know, you can argue Cooper Herbie too, but um, yeah, it's kind of different. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's completely different. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's like so. Yeah, like Jordan Montgomery was probably the third. I mean, third best pitcher take, available. I, I would take, would you I, take him over Scherzer. At this point? <laughs> I knew you were gonna ask. Um, like, where does he rank? Where did Lux uh, and Verlander, I think, is pretty clearly the best pitcher that got traded, yeah, right? Yeah. And then there's kind of like a blob Scherzer, Giolito, oh, Savali, Montgomery. Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to hate me, but I think, yeah. well, you're not, not you, because I think you're kind of on board with this. I, I think it's yeah. Verlander, Savali, Montgomery, yeah. Yeah. Scherzer. Yeah, probably Scherzer, Giolito. Yeah, I, I yeah. think that's probably right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but, all right, so now we're comparing the Montgomery. And, again, he has – some of these guys had more control. Most of them actually did. Everybody but Giolito, and Giolito came with a pretty good reliever. Mm-hmm. So did Montgomery. Um, that's, that's a great compliment to Ronaldo Lopez there, Jared. Um, <laughs> but you start – like, the Montgomery-Stratton deal is pretty equal on value and maybe even a little better than Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez, right? I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that depends so on, on where on you are side, with Edgar Cuero, but. Right. On one side, you've got Edgar Cuero and Kai Bush. And on the other side, you've got Takoa Roby, Thomas Ajiz, and John King. It basically doesn't matter. Right. Like, so you start running that up, you know. Yeah. Roby's a better pitching prospect than Bush, but, like, not by a ton. No. By, like, a medium amount. Cuero's a lot better of a hitting prospect. So it's like you're looking at St. Louis and. You got a decent return there, but then you look at what the Mets and the Guards got back for those guys. You know, the Guardians got Kyle Manzardo back for Savali. The Mets got back Acuna in one deal and Gilbert and Clifford in the other. And you start looking at it, you know, Roby's a nice piece. Jesus yeah. is a nice piece. In a normal trade deadline, we're saying that the Cardinals absolutely killed it for a mid rotation rental and a setup guy. They got a pitcher that might make the 101, a hitter that's got, like, an outside chance to make the 101. Like, guys that are probably in, like, the 101 to 150 range. Right. So that's pretty That's pretty much killing it. But the, at this deadline, you know, when Michael Lorenzen is returning how you leave. Which we'll get to. Uh, as a rental. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know. Um, and you, then you look at the Jack Flaherty deal. Yeah, um, let's 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 shift over to that one. So they 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 traded away Dr- Jack Flaherty for Cesar Prito and and Drew Rom. Um, there were... There's one other guy. You missed somebody. 
You missed the actual best prospect they got back. Did I miss somebody? Zach Showalter is in that deal too. They got Showalter. Yes. Oh my! I, yes, I didn't they got even, Zach Showalter. Oh my gosh. Um, Zach Showalter is <sighs> one of the <laughs> breakout minor league with God arms um, this year. He was a prep righty who signed for, I believe, seven figures in the eleventh round. It might have been high six. Um, but yeah, he's a, he like showed up like when the FCL started and just was like completely untouchable and immediately got promoted out. Yeah, that's that is the type of high end arm that you should be targeting. Yeah. Yeah. Um I am shocked that they traded him for Jack Flaherty. Right that's now. shocking. I mean, that yeah. is truly truly shocking. Yeah. That's he he's he, Again, not a guy that's going to show up on the 101 this year, but a guy that might show up on the 101 in a year or two. Yeah. 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 Um, if some stuff goes right. Yeah, and you got and Caesar Prado's fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's fine. Yeah, Rom is fine. You know, you, you see in these trades with Prieto and G's, you see the Cardinals like very clearly targeting these like bat to ball like baseball skillsy infielders that they just managed to like turn into four war players yeah, out yeah. nowhere. Yeah. Prado fits that. So even in a deadline where they're targeting pitching, they're still getting like very Cardinals infielders. Yes. But yeah, yeah. I that trade initially got reported without Showalter. In wow. Wow. It's like Flaherty for like a somewhat disappointing return, and then all of a sudden it's like Flaherty for a really good return, but also nobody to yeah so. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's looking just December and the team immediately lost trade. Yeah, um, yeah, which... yeah. And one of the reasons Smith and I know so much about all these like incredibly <laughs> low, stupid, um, low minors prospects like a year ahead of time is our dumb fantasy league, <laughs> in which I have Showalter under contract and you have Vargas under contract. I do. Yes. From months from six months ago. And I remember getting <laughs> a lot of crap for that and being like, yeah. you spent how much on Marco Vargas? And yeah. I'm like, it wasn't enough. Um yeah, it was yeah, you did that. I think you signed him instead of like Leonardo Bernal or yes. somebody like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried I tried like crazy to sign Sebastian Walcott and didn't have <laughs> yeah. enough. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We have our friend Ben Spanier, who I correct is he coming straight from a baseball game? I think he is. He is truly dedicated. the dedicated person on this. Uh, I said, Ben, you don't have to join. You're probably exhausted, and oh. here he is. He is live in the flesh. I cannot believe yeah. he actually showed up. I think there were there were like two people I've seen traded uh, today. <laughs> Only like, two. But I have to talk about. Have we talked about Zach Showalter yet? Or <laughs> we were just talking, talking about. about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, he wasn't really throwing any strikes or or whatever when I saw him, but he it, the stuff looked pretty good. You know, it's really interesting slider, the good fastball. So glad I uh, glad I saw all those guys who I thought may or may not be traded on the Delmarva staff, and only one of them was, but. No. Yeah, um, we we were just talking about how the the return by itself, Preto and Rom was fine for Flaherty, given how up and down he's been. But when you throw a guy like Showalter in there, that 
I mean, a, a, a good player development system can incorporate, and I don't know, they're probably worse at this than the Orioles are, but still, you know, you, you see the ingredients to be a potential impact arm here. To get that for half a season of Jack Flaherty is an absolute no-brainer, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was uh, it was. I don't know. It was interesting watching um, all of the uh, all of the teams who were kind of trying to get something done and trying, you know, when they were. I don't know. There were a bunch of guys who weren't honestly that exciting on the on the major league trade market, to be honest. And, Not but, really. Yeah. Um, and the, as. I'm, I'm, I don't know if Smith has been talking about the Yankees yet, but it clearly they decided no, to not do no, anything. No. Uh, don't get him started. I'm excited for Keenan Middleton, Smith. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when we're down uh, 13 to 1 and Kenyon, Kenyon Middleton comes in the seventh <laughs> inning, I'm going to jump up and down, man. I'm buying a Kenyon Middleton jersey. There you go. <laughs> Is Spencer Howard going to take Luis Severino's rotation? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Hal, Hal, if you're listening to this, I will personally lead the Pobo search, okay? I will gladly take your hand and walk you through the entire pro. I will interview them myself. I will quit my job and interview them, and I will do it for free. Do you understand? I will do it for freaking free. Please allow me to do that. Um, we'll get to a little bit more of that later. Um because I my head will actually explode if we talk about them <laughs> over some of these other trades. What Juan Carella is actually like not a terrible prospect. No, either. he's not. And I wrote so okay, let's talk about the... <laughs> All right, we'll talk about I'm the Yankees. Why did you? Oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> um, yeah, I brought it up too. I know. You did. You did. You knew what you were doing. So, I I stashed uh Carella 20th on the offseason list, which by itself is fine and probably where he should have been. The only issue is that I had other guys on that list that should not have been and other guys that should have been on that list. And and I initially thought that Corella was the, the guy that should not have been on that list based off of how the first two months of the season went. He could not locate anything for strikes, was not throwing overwhelmingly hard, and it looked as if the slider kind of backed up. Now we're two months into the season. All of a sudden, the slider's looking really good again, which was his best pitch at the time. The fastball is still 91 to 94, but he's throwing more strikes with it. So when you're throwing more strikes with the fastball-slider combination in high A, the numbers are going to be a little uh, inflated. And sure enough, the strikeouts went up, the walks went down, but he's still a two-pitch pitcher. doesn't really have a, a huge off-speed to go with. So... I think it's a fine trade because I think Corella projects to be a, a middle reliever at this point, and you're trading a middle reliever for a middle reliever. So in a vacuum, I think it's fine. But when you add the context of what should have been done at this deadline, it's 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 inexcusable. Frankly. Right. I I you know I'm a fan too. I've kind of become a little a little detached for you know whatever. I, you know, I try to, I focus on the minor league stuff a lot of the time, but like, uh, I, you know, I made a tweet a week ago. They shouldn't sell. And I generally think a team like the Yankees shouldn't sell, you know, but, but 
you know, they, they could have traded Wandy for something. They could have traded, you know, I mean, they're guys, these guys with only a couple months. I mean, and he's a really keeper. You know, he's a good lefty reliever. He can face both right-handed and left-handed hitters. Use them in the playoffs. I'm sure they could have gotten something for him. But they are, they're trying to get the, a week, a week ago, I thought they should go for the last wild card spot. Like, but I actually didn't really think that today. Like, it got yeah. that much, felt that much worse. I don't know yeah. why, but. I, I've been in the cell really wagon. Like watch. I don't you know. know. 2016, do we, do we remember 2016? Right. Brian Cashman goes on TV and said we had to choose between whether we were pretenders or contenders. They decided they were pretenders, correctly so. They correctly calculated that. And I know the prospect returns weren't great, but it did position them to make future the, trades. The That's what this is all about. There, the prospect returns there were great. Some yeah. of the players didn't pan out. Correct. But, didn't but make you at least had the opportunity to trade some of those guys yeah. for future players, right? Right. Just, just like Drew Gilbert might not. Exactly. Or he, he might, might not step a damn foot in City Field. And guess what? It's still a fine trade for the Mets. Um, so when when you're looking at this team, I mean, they're clearly pretenders of anything. I don't even know if they're even that and they're not and they're not not contenders in like the fun way like even like some of these teams are kind of like you know like the like the padres were buying today or like the the blue jays doing whatever they're always doing they're 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 kind of they still got you know know, it was such a seller's market too you know right Right. exactly no i saw what the teams were getting for relief pitchers and then i that's what made me because i don't know the yankees guys to trade were relief pitchers really or maybe well, like yeah. a couple months of glaber or a couple months of whatever what would they have gotten if they put clay holmes on the market oh mm-hmm. god i don't yeah. even want to think I about mean, that yeah like you know certainly marco vargas plus <laughs> some it. guys right and, that, yeah. and that's the one thing they're good at replenishing on the team right now too yeah. so they could they could find more right and, and you know spencer howard is probably going to be a better pitcher than Kenyon middleton because they're going to alter the usage of his curveball to be the number one pitch he spams out of the bulb i mean you could just see this coming right um and that's that's the most frustrating part is is i a week and a half ago was like they're going to do the most obnoxious thing at this deadline, and that's exactly what they did. And again, listen, Juan Carrella's Rule 5 eligible guy that's that's projecting like a reliever. In a vacuum, this trade is fine. It's it's the context behind the trade that I think is, is the most infuriating part. At, at um, least they didn't trade like Chase Hampton for like oh God. Uh, a red Tommy Pham. That was what I was God. thinking. That might yeah, happen. that they were going to trade. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like but, it could have been, it could have been a lot worse here. They could have, they could have went all in and bought rentals, which I think would have been just yeah. hideously bad. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, I guess, is Middleton a rental? I don't even know. I what don't think he. I think he's yeah. got one more year of control after this. <laughs> but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, well, I, I, I the White Sox are actually okay at developing relievers too. That's like the one yeah. thing that kind of they kind they're of they're okay like, at that. I, yeah, but I mean, I know it's compared to the other. I know the other White Sox stuff, but I but. think I think the I think the White Sox are making that trade with the intent of making uh, Corella a starter. You know, I don't think they're probably, probably they're looking to trade him to, to be a. Oh, you know what? Assistant. He might go straight to. Is he still with Hudson Valley? Yeah, I believe he was. was yeah, they might go straight to Winston. I might actually get to see him. Finally, a guy. They, they're trading yeah. for a bunch of higher up guys. They're, they're, they don't trade for the. They, they don't. They weren't trading for the for the low level guys at all. 
They're trading for all upper level. I, I got Brooklyn in town this week, and I was not at all. I've already seen Brooklyn. I do not need more Kevin Parada <laughs> oh, No, I, you don't. I'm watching. I'm seeing. I'm wanting to see Tamar, Tamar Johnson this week. Yes. Just, so I'm seeing Asheville again without so, Ryan Clifford. Yeah, well, yeah, I just got Clifford, Jet Williams, and Reimer dropped here within the last two days. So now I need to go to some games that I wasn't planning on going to. Um, which, yeah, at least it's not 105 degrees out anymore because that would have sucked. That would have sucked. Yeah. But, uh, it was nice. It was, it was. It was Yes. Yeah. Um, Nathan, do we have a question in the chat? I think it looks like we do. I had one job done. None showed up for me. That we did. So, apologies there. Um, so let's talk about. One of the other White Sox trades because um, I have no idea why they may. I, I feel like the Middleton for Corella trade was just they like a guy and they're going to try to trade for him before the Rule Five draft. I don't know, yeah. um, but they they did make a couple of other trades. We talked about the Quero for Kai Bush, which I think we think was a a, a solid trade for them, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I think it's fine. I think the it was okay the. The Dodgers trade with Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly is the one that is is really interesting here, right? Um, because the the case for Nick Nestrini to be a really good pitcher is absolutely there. However, the stuff is also backed Not, up a little bit. The command has fallen off. Uh, and further. it was there for being in the Dodgers organization. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I had somebody reach out to me unprompted and say leisure was the better prospect in this deal, which I yeah, thought was shocking. Given, wow. Um, this, this previous performance, but yeah, yeah in the 50 process, we, uh, the was the guy on the one one that was still eligible that like got killed the most basically yeah. outside of the guys that were like really odd. Like Jose Salas is just like, Went into like Don't witness remind protection. Me. Yeah, his bats like went into witness protection. But, um, uh, yeah, this this straight like for guys that like weren't like obvious employer Gavin Cross, um, yeah. the Strini whose surface level stats are a little bit worse, but not it. But yeah, it's like the stuff is backed up, the command is backed up, the, and he um, feels like he was one that was, you know, it could go either way. Yeah, yeah, and, and being with the Dodgers, it gave him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. He he he's also um, his velocity and stuff is fading after a couple innings, so that starts to push you even more towards a bullpen outcome. Yeah. Um, and if you just evaluate him versus Leisure as relievers, mm-hmm. he doesn't have the more overwhelming stuff. So no. right. That's, yeah, I've heard good stuff about Leisure too. Uh, yeah. You know that he could be a real power arm at the back of a bullpen. Yeah, like real big fastball. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially in terms of the up in the zone whiff yep. type stuff. Yep. Um, yeah. So. So so we actually did get a question, and this is uh, related to the White Sox because we are talking about them. But um, we do have uh, someone that's asking us what we think about Luis Patino's outlook, given that the Rays have basically given up on him by trading for cash. Um, you know the. Have you seen any Luis Patino this year, Ben? I don't know. Have you done any AAA random? No, oh, not really. Um, I probably should try to get in yeah. better with, with the Durham people. But, yeah. Um, 
I mean, because no, surface level, it just looks absolutely awful. And I'm very quickly pulling up his pitch metrics, and I'm guessing they're not going right. to look a whole lot better. I mean, he's always been a guy that's never had fantastic face fastball shape aside from the velocity. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always played down a little bit, and the commands never really come around. He's also dealt with some injuries. so Yeah, I mean, he's pretty close to a fastball slider only guy now. And... I think they transitioned him to the bullpen full-time in, in AAA, too, if I'm not Yeah, saying. this is... Yeah, I mean, his fastball is getting 26 chase and 17 whiff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty um, bad. Yeah. <laughs> I think the White Sox saw velocity, me want, and uh, they, they, they went for, which I mean, I look, uh, Luis Patino, I guess, will replace Kenya Middleton in the bullpen. They've got him screwing <laughs> around with this sinker, and the sinker doesn't look much look, better. Yeah. Um, um, probably yeah. perhaps a cutter candidate. Um, you know, I, when you really I mean, he just it, he needs to stop throwing this fast. This fastball is awful. Yeah. It has like yeah, it has it. It's in the heat zone where like the vertical movement, and the horizontal movement are pretty much the same. And yeah. it's you know twenty one eighty spin. Yeah, ninety five. Yeah, this is like a ninety five mile an hour slop ball basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is not so not, really not, not great, right? Um, so I, I think, if anything, you know, Patino is a guy that will probably get opportunities in the major leagues just because he throws hard and hasn't used to have some interesting secondaries. But um, I, I really don't think there's much to make of that trade. And, and you're right. The fact that the Rays are essentially giving up on him does tell you a lot at that point. Yeah. Um, he also, for some reason, he went from throwing a sweeper to, like, a bad gyro slider. Like, yeah, this is, none of this makes any that sense. That doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. Another trade that doesn't probably make any sense, talking about transitions, um, Jake Berger <laughs> for Jake Eater, right? The trade, the swapping of Jake's here. Jake's. I, I, what is going on here? I don't know what the Marlins are doing. Like, I just, I don't know what they're doing as an organization other than trying not to get fired um which if you're trying not to get fired you probably shouldn't make this trade they're trying to get all the second baseman i i where is he gonna play first base i I mean i think they traded away garrett cooper to make space for jake Berger. so you so you you traded for a first baseman a 27 year old first baseman with a career 290 on base percentage which is 280 this year yeah like I and, like uh, Jake Berger. He's yeah. fun. Um, I, there, I really hope that there's somebody, that there's room for somebody in baseball who just, like, swings at everything, swings hard, and occasionally makes contact over the fence because that's a really fun profile. But, but but isn't Jake Eater kind of an overpay for that? Yeah, like, yeah. really significantly. I know the stuff's been a little down in his – Tommy John slash back recovery phase, but you know this is a guy that there was a really, really good pitching prospect not that long ago. Yeah, right. Uh, two plus or better secondaries and like a fastball up to like ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, and you're giving that at left hander too, and you're up for you know and that slugging heavy eight hundred OPS, but. Like, Essentially the same production that you start Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, who you, who you uh, traded uh, alongside, I think it was another prospect for Ryan Weathers. Yeah, which, again, just kind of like 
beard. What is going on in like, Miami? Like, why are we doing Ryan Weathers? <laughs> I don't know. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I. Do you have any idea why they traded for David Robinson to begin with? Like, <laughs> like David Robertson's a good closer. Uh, I'm not saying, but like. I, I, I don't have anything for you. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Right. Like, what, what are we doing here? I just, I don't. It, does, I, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean. These are these are tough conversations to have, but I just, I have no idea what the Marlins front office has been doing, like, the last two years. Like, none of this. Is it just the case they, they think they're close and they're going to overpay and. What was that Josh Bell trade? Uh, like, you know, so yeah, I, I, I I'm trying to justify that one away, but assuming they're gonna play Berger at third and Bell at first, because I assume that's what they're doing. Because I mean, so they took Josh Bell is not a one year player. No, no, he's a, he's under contract for next year. It's significant amount of money, I believe, too, isn't it? For Marlin standards, yes. Right. Yeah. He's he hasn't been any good. No. I, no I, I like it on Cleveland's end. You know, take a flyer by low on Khalil Watson. Oh, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I yeah, wrote Khalil this Watson so can't, Khalil Watson can't hit. But, he can't hit, but but this but is the kind of guy that is, I think, a perfect candidate for a swing change theoretically. Yeah. And he's one of those guys where he's athletic enough and he's going to an organization that has experienced a lot of guys taking swing changes. Now, what's interesting, though, and I wrote this up in, in the transaction analysis that you'll read about uh, Cleo Watson, is that this is not the kind of player that the Guardians typically go after. They go after guys with bat-to-ball ability or Helmets really good up. hand-eye coordination that they can, you know, foresee the bat to ball getting better over time so it's an interesting trade in that sense um is this just the guardians trying to get something um for josh i i don't even think it's that because the money for segura and bell you could basically i i don't know what the exact finances are but they're both under contract through next year i i think you're basically just yeeting josh bell off the 2024 roster because you just traded for kyle Manzardo, right. right? Yeah, probably. Open the door for Manzardo next year. Yeah, and you know, for twenty twenty three, I mean, it's not like, like they have candidates to play first base who aren't Josh Bell, right? Like, it's not like they yeah. desperately, you know, Josh Naylor is already playing first base, and so now you're talking about age. Um, and they have people that can just kind of throw in a DH. You know, I can DH Bonell and catch somebody else. Right. You, know, you know, Cam Gallagher or whomever. Um, you know, Oscar Gonzalez can DH once in a while. Um, yeah. You know, you've got – you can play Tyler Freeman, you know, ahead of Gabriel Arias. You can play Gabriel Arias at first base with him a little bit. Um, <laughs> He's the best you know, defensive you, option they have there. So Yeah, I mean, Naylor's not – great at first no. but yeah like they don't like josh bell was not josh bell's like not like a clearly better hitter than any of these guys at that. Josh bell's probably pretty unlucky but he's something like a league average or slightly above league average first baseman which 
again, it's also roughly what Garrett Cooper is, who they just kind of unceremoniously dumped out. Again, the Marlins just feel like they're like trying to trade for name guys and fill some holes and attempt to back into a playoff that um, a playoff structure that they're like right on the edge of right now. Right, and they're um, only there because they just got ridiculously lucky to begin with. But but also the question is, if you're trying to do that, why the fuck is Yuri Perez taking starts in Jacksonville? Right. I there are questions that I don't think will ever, at least this season, be answered. But I think we know. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't know sure this time. But yeah. Yeah. Um, like you know, and you're like right on. You know, you're right on the line. You're basically in like a. You know, it gets tricky because some of these are division races, but they're not involved in the division race. So it's basically, you know, three teams for, you know, three spots for five or six teams. And they're they're right there, but they're also, like, clearly one of the weakest of those teams, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, compare them to the Brewers or the Giants or the Diamondbacks and... You know, well, let, let, let's actually transition to, to the Dimebacks because we've got only a few more trades left uh, that we really want to cover here. But the Paul Sewell trade, um, I, I saw a, a tweet from Ryan, I believe it was Ryan Divish, saying yeah. that um, Josh Rojas was the uh, pain point in this negotiation, Jarrett. Uh, I think that tells us everything we need to know about uh, something. <laughs> Can't even finish the statement. Um, what the what the Mariners and and frankly the Diamondbacks think about Ryan Bliss and Dominic Canzone, but uh, so it, on a base evaluation, Canzone is like the best player going back, right? Like if you're just like he's like the only actually, and we know what Josh Rojas is. He's a second division utility infielder. Yes, <laughs> like we know that. Um, that's, that's pretty well established. <laughs> um, you know, Ryan Bliss is... He's having a nice year. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's showing up on the, the minor league updates, you know, on the... Um, yeah. He's having these big nights. Uh, but I didn't know anything about him until until I saw you him. Ken Zone's <laughs> having an overaged, repeat, really nice season in Reno. But if... Like if you're like, yeah, he hits, he does he hits the ball damage. hard and does. It's a lot of contact. There's way too, the swing decisions are terrible. Awful. But like I can like I can like if I'm like looking like and I don't have my contacts in like I can like see like a decent hitter here like it's like it's like dollar store Heston Gears. <laughs> but also no competitive race who just like waved the white flag and traded their closer and had the entire clubhouse revolt on it for like garbage returns too. like just not like they did this for abraham toro and for like eight months all uh, you know non-stop abraham toro is a secret super yeah i think he is with the brewers they yeah but been like waved a couple of times and like it's a yeah he's abraham so now we're doing this again with josh rojas, josh rojas. like come uh, on the like, you know the most hysterical ending to this josh rojas story is that he's put on waivers and then claimed by the houston astros <laughs> sure josh, josh rojas is a career 252 337 hitter in 1500 
in appearances. He's 29. Like, he... Like, I, I had to double check to make sure he was 29 because I, I don't feel like he's been around for that long where he was 29. But I believe he got he's been like up and down this season. Like yes, he hasn't even yes. like been in the major. He was demoted at one year. point. Yes, right. Like and, yeah, <laughs> Rojas was the key. What the hell? Like what are we doing uh, hey, here? We're just I'm just the messenger. That's 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 coming straight from. GM's mouth. Uh, right, so. but again, you start comparing this to other, and Seawald had Seawald is the best reliever that got moved at the deadline. Has a year of control left. It's That's not even a rental. Oh. And I, I, I truly like, don't this know. This is what you traded him for. I don't like, know. What, like, what are you doing, Jerry? Jerry's in his own world sometimes. I, I think is you the... got. You got back a utility infielder, a 26-year-old outfielder with vaguely interesting track man who has barely played in the majors and hasn't hit when he's been in the majors, and a prospect probably not one of the top 500 prospects in the entire minors. Oh my god! Like, are there? So there are 500 players in the minor leagues, right? There's way more than 500. Five, yeah. Like, okay. That's okay. that's basically top 20 for most systems. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So right. like. Yeah, you, you trade Ryan Bliss probably wouldn't have made the Arizona top twenty. Maybe he would have, but like that's like you're talking about like a fringe top twenty system prospect. Yeah. Like just like, like, like what? Get it? I, I truly in, in a don't tra- get in it. In a trade deadline where David Robertson returned Marco Vargas and Ronald Hernandez, Michael Lorenzen returned Cal Uli, put Michael Lorenzen in the bullpen. I could I could sustain an argument that Joe Boyle is as good as any of the players that were returned here. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, and like, well, least, Yeah. Yeah, I, I know you wanted to talk about that one. I love Joe Boyle. I could talk Joe Boyle's, <laughs> yeah, I, I could tell. He's your guy. Um, yeah. I mean, Oh, he's terrible, but I could talk I, about Yes, him. but, like, in a very, very fun way. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. You know, um, he's kind of one of those guys – I think we make this joke sometimes, and I, I love pitching Ninja. But sometimes he'll 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 put on a reliever yeah. with just like like Matt Brash, for instance, right? Is a guy yeah. that falls into this camp where just the most ludicrous swings and misses you'll ever see. But you look at the stat line: one yeah. inning, three runs, yeah. Ron, five Ron hits. Yeah, Rob Moore makes this tweet every yeah. time. This <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, <laughs> just whatever. Yeah, it's like yeah. I, I I see this on pitching Ninja. It's the most ridiculous stuff ever. The guy gave up six runs. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Joe Boyle has like the worst in zone rates like of anybody I'm aware of in the mind. So there's guys, there's two types of walk problems for minor leaguers. There's the majority of them, which that they can't get batters to chase outside the zone, but they actually throw enough strikes. They just don't get enough induced strikes outside the zone. That is not Joe Boyle. Joe Boyle does not throw anywhere near enough strikes. He just he misses the zone by much. You can yeah. see it in his wild pitch numbers and his hit by pitch numbers. <laughs> but this is a guy that gets it into the upper 90s with incredible fastball metrics, incredible movement metrics spin. One plus plus breaker and a second plus breaker. Yeah. If you could get this guy to 30 command he's either going to be an elite reliever or a pretty good starter. It's like on, on the 2080 scale, it's like a negative 
150 <laughs> right now. Like it's it's incredibly like as bad as you think the walk rates are, it's worse. It's it's somehow. basically like the 2023 Jose Alvarado. Right, like it's, their modern it, day. It, Jose Alvarado is the version of this that got to thirty. Command. That's yes, I got yes. that mixed up. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are, are you a little surprised the Reds gave up on him? Because he for felt Sam, like the for Sam Mole, I am. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sam Mole's fine. Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah. I think this is one of those future 40-man consolidation trades we've been talking about with Corella, and if we talk about the Marcana yeah. trade for yeah, Justin yeah. Jarvis, it's the same kind of yeah. thing, where you just you can't roster all of these guys on the 40 when you're producing lots of prospects like Cincinnati is. I am a little surprised they dealt him before trying him in the bullpen. I am too. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's the one thing I will say. I would have... I would have thought before you went through with that, you at least see um, if this plays in the bullpen. Right. Granted that Notre Dame and two different Cape League teams tried him in the bullpen and it didn't fucking work. Yeah. yeah. There, so. yeah. Um, it's not like, that's not like going to be a one fix, uh, one fix elixir. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and and we, you know, we've got two more trades to talk through and then we've got one uh, chat question and then we'll wrap things up here. But um, the other one that I want to talk about, which we touched on briefly, was just the Michael Lorenzen for How You Lee. Um, Jared, I remember, I remember you asked me about How You Lee when I was in Florida last year, and I yeah. really didn't know much about him. But when I talked to people that watched him play when he was in Clearwater, people yeah. gushed over him. Yeah. And um, I got to be honest, I think this is arguably the most underrated return that a team got for Pitchers. a rental pitcher. I'm actually curious about Ben's thoughts on here because Ben has also seen how you yep. leave pretty recently. Oh, I see that look recently. on his face. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I I don't, I, I, don't, there, I had a couple takeaways. One was that he was like better. I don't know. Maybe not better at third base, but like his arm was was like good enough to play third base. I mean, the everything else, maybe not. But like he, he's obviously like a hit tool first prospect, just the way. He moves around and he's kind of like already he's like he's like a broad shoulder guy and he's already kind of like filled out. It's not traditionally projectable at all. I I mean, I like it. it, it I feel like it, it's one of those where I saw him for like four games or something. And I feel like he's the kind of guy who I feel like he might grow on you if you see if you see him a little bit more. I mean, I can see the hit tool there. You don't think so? No, because I have. No. So, so he's this not, is... he's not, I, I'm not, I, yeah, I wasn't, I was, right. I wasn't huge on him. Like it was, I don't know how to, I didn't hate him. I, I just, I, I didn't see like the huge, cause he's hit tool. I mean, he's going to have a little power, but he's like hit tool all the way. So I didn't see like the huge hit tool maybe to, that I might've expected. Here's how I would describe this. Nathan, me and Nathan have both been here since 2016. You guys, I know you left for the Braves for a while, but yeah. you guys have both been here since like 1819, right? Somewhere mm-hmm. in there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So over the course of the time that we've been all been at BP, we've substantially refined and evaluated how we evaluate hit tools, which is not just the metrics, because if you start thinking about the metrics, become aware of the metrics, you realign your visual interpretations of guys to fit in with okay, that's what that looks like, right? right. That's how, you, you know, it's a Chris Blessing's Twitter profile or my eyes are God's track man. 
um, which is a great line. Absolutely great line. Um, so you've got, so how you lead in 2016, 2017, 2018, I have absolutely no doubt that the baseball prospectus prospect team of that time, which included all of us at various points would have absolutely blown this guy the freaking moon. Right. It's like, he's, he's got like just enough performance, but it's like, it's like, it's a really nice looking swing. It's kind of, you know, nice athletic swing. going to hit. feels like he's going to hit. Like, the contact rates are, like, good, but they're not, like, super duper good. They're just good. Um, he doesn't really damage the ball that much. And when you start thinking about it, like, did you see him, like, drop and drive a ball pull side, Ben, yeah, at he any did, point? He, you know, it's funny. He did one, but I happened okay. to be, like, sitting... It was, like, late in the game, and I, I was looking at some lefty hitter. Maybe it was, like, Colton Montgomery or something. So I was, yeah. like, down the third baseline, and he hit a home run. But, like, full side. But the rest of the time, yeah, it was the two things. One was that I, I wasn't seeing him drive it. And the, uh, the other one was he wasn't swinging and missing all the time, but he wasn't not swinging and missing. Like, right. Like and the bad ones, ones, like, look bad. Like, they're, like, yeah, yeah like, right. he gets badly fooled sometimes, which is not something you really want to see. Mm. So I think like mentally we've all like kind of backed up even subconsciously like our hit tool evaluations to start to mesh more with guys that do a little more damage in the air that make obscene amounts of contact that kind of, you know, more of your Ryan Clifford type players. I'm trying to set up Ben to talk about Ryan oh, Clifford. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, but you know, I'm guessing you probably have a higher hit rate on Clifford than how you lead at this point. Is that a safe, uh, safe guess? It's, it's, it's pretty, it's safe because yeah. like, because with the positional stuff is like the, obviously it's better yeah. to be like a second baseman, third baseman, but it's not like he's a shortstop or like yeah. a center fielder or something. And, you know, I thought Clifford looked more like a, like a future first baseman, which is part yeah. of like the issue. I, but I don't, that doesn't mean you couldn't play him in the outfield sometimes. And yeah, I mean, I didn't, yeah, the Clifford one is is, is funny because I think that that's one where like I was I had a long enough look where it was like I can see all the stuff that he's good at. So now and he wasn't really doing that well that week, but he he basically got really hot right after I saw him and he's been killing um, high A since then. He just turned twenty, and it's like I can see why because you could easily see the power. Like it's not like a really like explosive swing, but like he's like big guy, really strong. But he's also got like these you know. The, 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 some of the visual like hit stuff like he fouls off a lot of tough pitches like he, he can go the uh, slap a single the other way he just has like sort of a feel for hitting that most of the, you know that that could make him into more than you know that that's why he's not just he hits the ball hard but he's not just an, he's impact in the air but he he has the stuff around it and the swing decisions I you know he takes a lot of pitches and so I that was kind of where I hedged because I had a quieter report than a lot of people might have had mm. on him but but then looking at him a month later at the time of the trade and how he's produced. It's like, well, I can see how he's done it and I'm willing to be wrong. And, and if he ends up being this, you know, whatever, Jordan Alvarez, extremely light Jordan Alvarez or whatever, you know, people are seeing it as that, yeah. that's not a comparison. I'm not making that comparison, but no. that's like the broad profile. We're, we're quoting, we're quoting that and yeah. going to use yeah. it to uh, yeah. promote uh, the, the, the podcast <laughs> and the, the live stream that we put off. But it's, it- the, the point I'm like trying to get back to is that Clifford and Hal Uli have pretty similar contact rates. Um, and then yeah. you start 
Right. So they, you know, and it, you kind of start backing it up a little bit. Like, it's kind of visually similar bat to ball. They're just getting to it in very different ways. The different way that Clifford's getting to it is going to mean that the hit tool plays up because, you know, hitting balls relatively hard in the air also gets you more hits. It doesn't just get you more power. It's, you know, right. the, it's the 97 12s mostly fall in and the, you know, 90 negative sixes are mostly ground balls to the middle infield. Um, so it's like you kind of. Oh, straight ball. Um, These are down. Uh, I wonder if Kenya Middleton would have come in the seventh inning there. How did they score the two runs? Uh, let's see. I think Labor got a hit and DJ LeMayhew got a hit. Hey, that's two runs. There we go. He got up, but I'm like pretty sure his left arm just absolutely slammed into the scoreboard. Yeah, 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 yeah that wasn't good. That's not anyway, good. we'll see if Jeff McNeil's still alive in a minute. Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's like. So, like, I like Hal Yu Lee. I wrote him up for the transaction analysis. I think he's probably a starting infielder, but I think it's going to be, like, a starting infielder that you might always want to replace. It's kind of like a medium offensive production. You're either hiding him at second or third type player. So you're you're telling me that Marlins are going to trade for him in a couple years? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, like, I see... at face value, it seemed like an awful lot to trade for Michael Lorenzen, but I kind of see why, you know, Dombrowski has a Yeah, Dombrowski does not guys care. At, yeah. Right, at the right time. And, like, I can, you know, you always make the joke with Phillies prospects that they get to Redding and all of a sudden they're going to hit, like, 26 homers out of nowhere because Redding's one of the top, especially Redding's one of the top power parks in the entire minor leagues. But, um which, like, nobody realizes because it's in the Eastern League. But, like, yeah, it just is. Um, That's our um, Ethan Wilson discourse for the day. Um, (laughs) Yeah, everyone knows about... um... Everyone knows about Greensboro, and I still have have a hard time... it's still, it's still like, you know what though? Nick Gonzalez has ended up making it to the major leagues at the very least, but it's still messed up my Nick Gonzalez. About, I, on the I, Pittsburgh I, Pirates, I, Ben. On the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, wait, have they done something? What's? Yeah, right. No, no, I, 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 I know. He's a very high college draft pick. I know. Yeah. It's, it, he, uh, yeah, I haven't actually checked in on how he's doing. They at least I haven't checked Henry either, Davis but... looks really good anyway. I will, yeah, I will say he does. Well, he, he was the number one overall no. pick. Um, yeah. um, but they're not. They're not catching him. He's clearly not a catch. No, he's no, no. They're yeah. Now, it's not but Andy's a little bit. I don't know Andy either. So I, they're gonna. We're 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 now drifting into another. Yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> not another, another pirate, episode of the heat check. Um, was there a Pirates thing to talk about at all? Or no, they not. traded Austin no. Hedges for cash, and they traded Rodolfo Castro. Oh, they traded for, they traded. Um, yeah, I, Rodolfo Castro for Bailey Falter is just like whatever. <laughs> and, but this is another one that's about like look. You're you're again in a world where David Robertson is returning Marco Vargas. What on earth are you doing holding David Bednar? I, I just I don't he's know. From, he's from the most he's confounding a, a man. <laughs> yeah, the most know. confounding guys that were not traded: Clay Holmes, yep. yeah, and Bednar. David Bednar. Yep, it's that simple. Um, right, like Mitch Keller. At least I get it. You yeah, think Mitch, but like, do you, Jarrett? 
Yeah, that's and I, an, I that's, an in, that's an inside joke, it. folks. And, and, um, and, and I know the White Sox are not going to be good next year. I get, I get why their asking price on Cease would have been high. Maybe they should have traded him. For, I don't know what the Orioles were offering. I just have no idea. So I or whoever yeah, might be interested. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It seems but, like an off-season move, uh, or right. honestly, a deadline next year move. Anyway, um, it could definitely be an, well. Again, I just I'm surprised that more of these teams either out of it with controllable players or on the back end of the fringes didn't look at some of these returns and just go, we got to start trading guys. Like, that was when I changed my mind, actually, I think with the Yankees was like when right. I saw, I forget which trade it was. It was like a week ago. I don't even remember. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but the only team that did that was the Mets. Yeah. Like, the only team. Yeah. Everybody else, the Mets started this and they still had like 10% playoff odds in the playoffs and they were, and Billy just, you know, see, you know, look, if you got offered Marco Vargas for David Robertson, you would probably say your 10% playoff odds were done too. Right? Oh, that was it. So, yeah, you're yeah. Right. That was probably the trade. Right. The so trade. now, now all of a sudden it's just like, let's fire up the farm system. Yeah. But like there were other teams that were positioned, you know, the Padres were positioned. I know they've went on a winning streak and they soft bought instead. The Yankees are on the fringe of falling out of the race and they soft bought instead. And general, look, as a fan <laughs> of baseball and like in terms of like my personal baseball ideology, I actually think this is pretty good that teams are acting in this manner. I'm just surprised all the process dorks did that. Like, because there's a lot of process dorks in these front offices. And like, yeah. you know, I, I know it must have like hurt the Cubs to actually soft buy instead yes, of sell. They wanted, they they wanted to sell. Right. They wanted to get. Uh, they wanted to sell Bellinger pretty bad, but I guess the I guess the Guardians soft sold. Yeah. Right See, I think Manzardo's going to be a guy that comes up right away. He's hurt, so I don't know. Always oh, okay. Uh, honestly, I, I wasn't yeah. even okay. Yeah, he's got a shoulder I injury. I don't know if he's. Gonna, I don't know if he's going to be a twenty-three player. I missed that. All right, yeah. we do have one more trade to talk about. Speaking of the Cubs uh, and the soft buying. Uh, Jamer Candelario, who I thought was dog water at the end of last year, comes around. Everything starts to pop off a little bit more. They get DJ Hers and Kevin Made, which Nathan, you're our you're our Cubs guy. I'm just gonna let you take this away, okay? Yeah. I mean, he, he was one of the best bats at the at the deadline, you know, Candelario. And when the and when they're playing right now, they've been starting Nick Madrigal at third base. Um, so, and like I said, what they had to give up wasn't, I mean, hers and, and Made were both set to be, had to be added to the 40 man roster this year. Um, you know, hers, a lefty with deception, you know, maybe a bullpen guy. You know, Made had some, there's some, there's a higher ceiling there, but uh, that was a swing and a miss report. I made at Myrtle when he played at Myrtle Beach last year, and I kind of took a shot that he was going to like develop or something, and then he didn't. Made, yeah, before yeah, he got I, promoted to you, yeah, yeah. I, I like Made, but he kind of he took a step back this year. Everything was getting hit on the ground. Um, solid defender. He can play shortstop, so so that gives him a, a floor there. But I mean. It's a small price to pay for Candelario, and you know maybe they can make a run. You know the Reds didn't do anything, the the Brewers didn't do yeah, too much, yeah. which I don't get the, it. Oh, the Brewers I, traded for Santana, right? That was when the that was another thing with the yeah, Pirates. Santana and Mark Hanna. 
Yeah. So that, just, that, that's what what are the Nationals doing here? Other like they traded for two guys that are like somewhat famous but not actually good. Which yeah. Is, yeah, that's like, exactly <laughs> what the Nationals do, Jarrett. You yeah, sh- you, I all know. people I've should know this. About, right, I've written about it at some length, <laughs> but like you're talking about fixing all your processes. This is a team which cannot draft in the top six this year. They cannot win the lottery. Um, and because they're revenue sharing pair and they were that lottery pick this past year. And they don't sell at the deadline. They just straight off Candelario, who's going to be a pending free agent. And they get back two guys that, I mean, these are basically 40 man consolidation yeah. guys for Chicago. Absolutely. Um, I mean, who else are they trading on that team to be fair though, Jared? They've got Lane, Lane Thomas. They had a high yeah, asking Thomas price on their way. Wouldn't I get a look at, line and, and see a guy I, mean, yeah, I have no idea why he was not yeah uh, yeah I, I can see his years of control left because that's something that's really gonna <laughs> you need years of control for a, a 71 team chart right um, I it, it, I don't know what the Washington <laughs> who knows are other than yeah I mean People keep telling me that C.J. Abrams is finally good, and then I look at C.J. All the stats I Who care about. saying that? I, I've seen it online, Twitter. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'd like to know yeah. who you guys are following because I don't see that. That's for damn I, sure. Yeah, I like he's like fine, but he's know. not shortstop at the current moment. No, he's um, not a shortstop. He's and no, something. he's not going to bounce up back like Bobby Witt Jr. has at short because he's never been good at short. That's the difference. Right, um, and you kind of you just, like, look at, like, he's, there's, like, he's another one where this is, like, it should be a really good hit tool visually, and he, like, makes, like, an above-average amount of contact, but it's not enough contact. It's on the ground. and yeah. Swing decisions are god-awful. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just, like, it's, and there's just, like, no hard contact. You know, he's... It's an average exit velocity at 86 miles an hour. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to, you know. I mean, the max exit velocity is pretty good, to be fair. Yeah, flat. but it's you know, literally else, only. That's the only every, thing. Nick Madrigal can hit at 113 yeah. once a year. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, okay, it's not yeah. great, it's not terrible, but like, you know, he's, he's running above 40% chase. is. His contact is his zone contact's eighty four five, which is like good, but it's not great. Right. Um, and the overall contact profile gets killed because the chase is so bad, and his zone contact is not particularly good because nobody's is. And it's just like, what? Are, I, like, he's probably fine. He's going to be a long term major league player, but he looks like a five to me, which is fine yeah sure whatever you, you go you go down the you know Cabert ruiz can't catch and is not going to hit enough to to make that matter so zaya gray might end up being the best player from that trade he also looks like like he looks like a five luis garcia looks like a five Cabert ruiz looks like a five Mackenzie Gore has days where he looks like a seven, but it's not all of them. Right. He gave up um, a generational player for that. Right. And, right. you know, James Wood's really good. Yeah. 
But those contact concerns are starting to loom again in ways that we kind of hope that maybe he was passed a little bit. He, Yeah, um, he's the infield Spencer Jones, for better or worse. Yeah, you know, Brady House. I, I see it Brady. with Brady. I, I, I can see a scenario where Brady House is good. I can't. His contact rates are terrible, and he doesn't hit the ball that hard. Like I understand, he's like been lifting everything this season. Which he's is, lifting. He's playing good defensive third base. It, it's like, just it's it just feels like there's like an awful lot of ground ball hit contact yeah, here, sure. which is like. Sure. And then Robert Hassel. No. There were people trying to hype Robert Hassel on my timeline again the other day because he's had like a hot week in Harrisburg, and I'm just like, we can't stop, possibly do this again. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. It, it's like it's every prospect in the Nat system, um, which isn't going to be helped by Kevin Mate, has too much swing and miss and hits the gr- ball on the ground too much. It's like every, and then they go off and direct you Andy Morales, like <laughs> <laughs> you know. Like, I just I don't I oh, there's a, and there's just like you've got Lane Thomas. Is there any realistic chance that Lane Thomas is going to be a starter no. on the next playoff national nope. team? Why is he still here? Then? No. Exactly right. Right. So I think we're con- confused by the the Nationals and actually quite a few other teams for, for some of their moves. Um, so l- let's encapsulate with three questions, and this can be quick fire because I know we've gone off for about an hour and a half. I want a quick answer from each of you. What seller did the best? Jarrett, we'll start with you, Nathan, then Ben. It's the Mets, obviously. Yeah, okay. Mets. Everybody's going to say that, I Mets. think. Ben? It, yeah, I, I, wish, I wish I could come up with something more exciting. Yeah, like, they, they, they also... Yeah, they, I, the thing with, with, you know, maybe I'm like not paying close enough attention to Gilbert and I like, haven't like looked at his flaws. You're not paying close enough attention to Logan Gilbert there, Ben? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Outfielder Logan Gilbert. And the the fringe. I think the tweet is still, I think, I I think the tweet is still up somehow. I don't know how it's still up. I'm, I'm looking at that tweet and I'm going like. Okay, maybe they got like Trey Dombrowski or somebody <laughs> like that. That's nice. They got Trey Dombrowski. I like Trey Dombrowski. Yeah. <laughs> or no, no, Nolan DeVos, who I saw tonight. Right. And then it's like, no, it's Ryan Clifford. I'm like, oh my, Ryan Clifford's the second or third best prospect in the system. <laughs> oh like, but that's not that far. I mean, he's probably looking at, you know, he's looking at whatever rankings people. You know, I, this is the yeah. I know that's over. We've, He's looking at the pipeline I, rankings from February because which, which the pipeline people keep saying right. that they, they haven't not, updated yes. yet. Yes. Yes. Jim Callis and Sam Dykstra were saying that after every single trade. <laughs> so, um, and oh, again, that's a, that's a flaw in how certain outlets process these things. If you're looking for a non Mets answer, I liked what the White Sox did. Yeah. Um, I liked the yeah. Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, getting getting Edward Cuero. Yeah, Cuero is definitely a solid one for sure. Probably yeah. the best prospect that was acquired. Maybe not, not my favorite. Mets pros- catching prospect named Cuero in the top sixty. Yeah, got yeah. the Jefferson Cuero. Yeah. That but, Edgar uh, was just like really hard for us to rank because he clearly was having major problems with the tacky ball, and also the Angels inexplicably jumped him a level to play in the Southern League with the tacky ball. Yeah, that's ball. that's a weird going from the Angels player down to the to the yeah. White Sox. Now that's an interesting one. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but no, I saw that trade. I was like, 
you know, I, but I, to be fair, I had, I had a, I didn't, I hadn't been keeping up with Mistrini that much. So I had a higher view on that trade then than I do now. But yeah, I think, I think that they traded the guys they needed to trade. And I think, yeah, pretty good return. So I agree with the, yeah. it is interesting that they're all upper levels guys. And I, I don't know, they're probably going to be trying to be like, which unfortunately is kind of the Yankee zone now too, I feel like, but they're, they're kind of they're. I think the White Sox are going to try to be like on like the fringes, like uh, in the next couple of years. It yeah. Like they, they don't want to be, and they should, I mean, they're a big market team, so I get it. But they, they, they don't, of course they don't want to do the rebuild again. That was then, you know. Right. I mean, you, they you still the have re- a lot of stars. Well, not stars. A Louis, lot of very good players. In they have team. one star. They, they have, have one, one. Luis Robert. Cease. You could make the case is possibly a star. So that's a pitcher, a top pitcher. Yeah, a top end pitcher. You're right. After that, um, I mean, but after Moncada that, with all this, yeah, Moncada's not a star. Please, no, no. He's he's really. I, it, it sucks. I, I I hate whatever happened to him. Right. Yeah. But, Anyway, anyway, sorry. So, Didn't want to bring this into White Sox. No, but. it's okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So we did the what seller did the best. What buyer did the worst this deadline? Jerk. Besides the Yankees. What if we tired the Yankees of buyer? Oh, Teams God. that actually bought I, uh, <laughs> I, Miami just – I have no idea what Miami was up to. Yeah. See, yeah. see I went a little different with this, with this one. Yes, Miami – did some weird stuff. But I think the Reds did the worst job. I mean, by not doing anything. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair point. You've got, I mean, it's most, it's one of the most exciting young teams there there is right now. And I mean, you've got Lodolo, Nick Green are both out. And you, ha- and you have prospects you can trade. Oh, yeah, absolutely they do. Yeah. And I mean, and they're in first place still, but they're still starting Brandon Williamson and, uh, and Luke Weaver, I mean, you could have done something. I mean, what if what if you just put uh, Phillips, Connor Phillips, mm-hmm. and some other guy that the White Sox like for Dylan Cease? Yeah, yeah. Are you telling me that I, doesn't get the conversation at least going? Or, I mean, you couldn't match the Angels off, offer for uh, for Gilles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I in, mean, they've got the, a farm system. In the same vein, the Orioles did not do mm-hmm. nearly enough given the amount of minor league talent they have and don't right. have room They can't for even use them. They can't even use right. all their minor league talent. Right. Like right. They just, upper, and I, in the upper levels, too. I know Elias said they were aggressive on guys and didn't get the deals through, but, like, come on. And like, even a guy I saw, like Samuel Basayo, like, I could see yeah. trading him for, yeah. you know, what if they, you know. It's what, what if the White Sox, forever. if the White Sox offered the Orioles uh, Dylan Cease for Kobe Mayo. Both teams should do that. That's, That's what I'm what, saying. Right, yeah. That's that a was, no-brand for both teams. Um, yeah. Kobe Mayo is definitely a better version of a lot of guys the White Sox have had. That's right. Oh, for sure. I, a million I, I thought he was. I thought he was a very obvious prospect to get traded if the Orioles got involved with Verlander. And I yeah. think, you know, in terms of value, you know, Mayo versus Gilbert plus Clifford is probably pretty even. That's about right, yeah. Right, so that's like. But, you know, Kobe Mayo is, like, really broken out this year, and nobody's yeah. figured it out because the <laughs> Orioles have 26 other guys. Right. But, yeah, um, yeah like, like that's that's one where, like, the 90th, 95th percentile exits have been there the entire time, and now all of a sudden he's, like, averaging, like, 92, 93. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, but... Where are they going to play him in a year or two? He he's probably good enough that you find a spot for him. Yeah. But like this infield, like 
Jordan Westberg's going to need somewhere to play. And Connor Norby is just like stuck in triple A purgatory now. Right. Joey Ortiz, they're using as like an up and down guy. Yeah. Um, there will be consolidation. I'm just surprised it did not come at this deadline because I, right. I mean, it's obvious. This was where they got to go for it. Like, yeah. this is yeah. like, you might not get a ton more shots at this. No. Um, yeah. That's that's a, yeah. One, one of my oldest friends is a, is an O's fan. So he's very, he's back to being completely invested. He goes to a bunch of games and stuff. And I was talking to him about it and, you know, he was worrying about whether they're going to, how they're going to play the Adley Rutschman resigning or whatever. And I was like, for one, just like enjoy enjoy this now, but also like we agreed. He said they had a, he had a good feeling about the team, like they have this thing happening with them, and it is true. It's like, but they don't. But we agreed they need. We were going through the rotation. And it was like, oh my god, you know, how are they? I was almost like, how are they doing it with the, these names that they have right now? And it was like, yeah, they 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 need to go. They need to, you know, I don't know if it was. I don't know enough about the discussions, but yeah, someone like, yeah, someone like Cease or some. I mean. Cease can have his bad games, but someone who's like a top level guy would have done a whole lot for them as a real, you know, because everything else about their their team is really pointing toward, you know, they could win the World Series. But, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Now, the team that I'm going to go with that I think is a little bit under the radar and it's kind of like, what the hell happened here is the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell are they doing? Not that much, right? Another Um, one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, and you, you, you could make the case that they're actually in more need of, uh, guys right now, just because of, and it's, it's funny because they didn't even need pitchers as much as they needed hitters. You know, they needed infielders specifically, and it was the pitching market that was really overheated as opposed to the right. infielding market. But like um, with them, they could have easily matched that Cubs offer for a uh, Candelario. Easily. Easily. Yeah, I thought I thought I don't know if you why. All, Austin Martin should have been a Washington mm-hmm. National. Yep, <laughs> that's what that boils down to. Yep. Um, keep forgetting, forgetting about keep him. forgetting about him, right? Um, but listen, um, so we'll we'll finish off with one last question from um, Bowser five seventy five. He asks, who do, who do you guys think was the overall best prospect traded at this deadline? Uh, Drew Gilbert. Yeah, I don't think it's even that close to you. I yeah, do. I mean, yeah, because Ed, the, sec- the second row is probably the other cabinet. Who do you think, right. Smith? Because then after that, it goes. It goes. Jared right. knows. I swear to God, you're gonna yeah. say Marco Vargas. It's Marco Sorry. Vargas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I with just, that, look, I get it. I get the point there, but it's the FCL. I'm, I'm yes, just... I get it. Um, but all right. I think that's a good way to end it here, folks. But thank you all for those who who listened, who joined. Again, we'll be putting this out in podcast form in the coming days. But thank hey, you all, Jared and Ben, for joining us. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah Jared, yeah. Ben, you guys are awesome. Thank you guys for hopping on, and thank you guys for listening to another edition of the Baseball Perspectives Podcast Network and listening on Twitch. We'll see you guys next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.